Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A great necessity of the Christian life is the uh, renewal and cleansing of the individual's heart. Uh, It is so easy for our hearts to get stained with sin, uh, maybe deceived. Uh, It could be desperately wicked, double-hearted, and also unguarded. It is a place of affection, purpose, and decision, thoughts that dictates one's life. And sins of all mankind dwells not outwardly, though we see it from day to day. We see it on the news. Uh, We might see it on the street. We might hear of things. And uh, we see it, of course, publicly. We understand that. But it is first done inwardly. It is deep in the heart of an individual. That is processed and that is produced, that is manifested outwardly. Jesus Christ, who knew the heart of all men, said these words in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. For from within, out of the hearts of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil heart, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from where? Within and defile the man. We're all sinners before a holy God, not necessarily just because we have committed sin outwardly. No, it's because we have a sinful heart. There's something wrong within us. Before we judge ourselves to be wrong outwardly, hey, Jesus Christ has already judged all of us to be guilty inwardly. In Noah's day, God did not just see the hands of the wicked, but the hearts of the wicked. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Why did the people in Noah's day perish? Only eight souls were saved from the flood. Why was that? Because their hearts were evil. Yes, God saw the deeds and God saw how they treated each other, and God saw the violence maybe, God saw the lust, but God saw the hearts of men, and that displeased him. And God had to, of course, judge the whole world because of it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we must not take lightly what's going on with our hearts. Because we will really reap what we sow based on what we think in our hearts and what we do within. In his day, Jesus Christ said to the Jews, who only judged from the outward appearance, uh, uh, said these words to them in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery with her already in his where? Heart. We have committed adultery in our hearts. That's what the Bible says, men, if you are looking toward another woman in a wrongful way. 
You view something on the television, you view something on maybe on the internet, and, and you see those things, and, and your thoughts go past maybe just thinking about it, but really lust after, lust after uh, that person. And God says that it's in your heart, and you have already committed it. And it doesn't matter if it's adultery, or it could be just hatred, it could be just envy or covetousness, whatever you have. Ladies and gentlemen, it's already in your heart, and God judges us to be sinners, and we are guilty before a holy God. Just because you don't do it hourly, or maybe say something outwardly, and just because you don't respond, maybe something, and uh, 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 physically, I want to let you know that God already knows, and God already has judged you that you have committed those things. Why? Because it's in your heart already, and it's in my heart. Someone has runs road, you can fool the helpless public, you can be a subtle fraud, you can hide from your little meanness, but you can't fool God. You can advertise your virtues. You can self, you can self-achievement laud and you can load yourself with riches, but you can fool God. You can criticize the Bible. You can be a selfish clod and you can lie, swear, drink and gamble, but you can fool God. You can magnify your talent. You can hear the world applaud. You can boast yourself somebody, but you can fool God. The Bible says in Galatians chapter six, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God knows every sowing, especially the sowing within the heart of all men. Just because you look so good outwardly, my friend, that doesn't judge you to be faithful. That doesn't judge you to be holy. God is looking beyond the outward look. God is looking deep within the heart of every individual sitting in this room. How is your heart this morning? God knows your heart. And God is very thorough in inspecting and proving the heart of every person. Because within the heart, there can be pride. There can be lust. There can be covetousness. There can be envy. There can be bitterness. There can be hatred. There could be wicked thoughts. And this is why we need to abide in God's inspection and approving. We dare not to prove ourselves. We dare not to justify ourselves. No, God is the one that justifies the ungodly. And God is the one that can prove uh, us to be faithful. And we're not God's, my friend. We cannot declare ourselves to be righteous. It is only God that can do that. And we need to inspect our heart and, and we need to pray like David wrote in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, David wrote Psalm 139 beginning how he cannot escape from the Lord and whether he is in heaven or in hell, hey, God will always be there. And also he said all the thoughts that God has toward him is more than then the numbers of the sands. So within this psalm, David was writing the omniscience of God, the all-knowing God, and also the omnipresence of God. And then he concludes, he says, Search me, O God, know my heart. You know everything. You're everywhere. So now would you search me? 
We find comfort in knowing that he is omnipresent and he is omniscient. But I believe David was writing the psalm not because of comfort, but maybe he was convicted about some sins. And sometimes we just go to God and let God maybe comfort us and encourage us and, and ask, ask God to maybe speak to our hearts, inspect our heart, and, and, uh, and, and try to do our best to uh, be edified in that sense. But we don't like reproving. We don't like rebuking. We don't like that process. So we don't ask this type of prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Could we be just honest to the Lord? Could we just invite him anytime, anywhere, in any place? Because our hearts need inspection from the Holy One as we go to work and, and as we have our families, as we have our personal lives and our secret lives, and as we have our public life, as, as we go to church as well. I wonder if your heart is consistent. I wonder if your heart is approved by God. I wonder everywhere you go, you're asking the Lord, like, like the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Or are you living a double life today? Or are you just living a life just outwardly as a Christian? God is not impressed at how you dress. God is not impressed at how you maybe talk to people publicly and how you behave at church. God is not just impressed with all the things that you do in your deeds, in Christ's name. God wants to prove your heart. How is your heart at work? How is your heart at your home? How is your heart when you even come to church? David wrote once again in Psalm 26, verse 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. In that context, he's talking about his enemies and everything else. But he wanted to make sure that he was right with God. He said, you'll judge my enemies, but would you judge me too? Would you examine me? Would you prove me? Would you... Make sure I'm right with you. You see, David was a man after God's own heart, because not because he was a sinless person. No, because he was sensitive to sin. He was sensitive to sin. The great king of Israel, David, committed a grave sin that tarnished his legacy, and we're still talking about it today. Yes, he was anointed as a young man with God's favor. Yes, he killed a mighty Goliath with a sling and a smooth stone. Yes, he behaved himself wisely before a delusional king named Saul. Yes, he mourned for his enemy, King Saul, when he died, and he loved his enemy. What a wonderful man after God's own heart, having forgiveness and having peace, not grudging and maybe holding some bitterness, but loving his enemy. He did everything right, we see in the scripture concerning some different uh, 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 conditions and situations in life. But later on, we see that his heart deceived him. 
He covets another woman, not just any woman, but a wife of Uriah, one of his mighty men. And if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's also on the screen, and you don't need to go to the scripture, but read it with me. It says, And it came to pass in the evening tide that David rose from off his bed and walked up on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David said, And inquire after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife Wife of Uriah the Hittite. So even his servants knew who this person was. Uriah was one of the mighty men in the scripture. Verse 4 and 5, And David sent messenger and took her, and she came in unto him, meaning uh, he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with a child. Now, knowing David, a man after God's own heart who is sensitive to sin, we will think that he'll just run to the throne of grace right away. But he tries to cover his sin. He'll try to maybe justify himself. He calls Uriah from the war, from the battle. And uh, as, Uriah, as the weary Uriah comes and, and uh, as he is standing before the king and, and David uh, just makes this plan to work where maybe Uriah could go to his home and maybe lay with his own wife. And then from that, they'll, uh, 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 they, from that he could cover his own sin in saying that this child is not mine but Uriah's. Maybe that was his plan. He says, go eat and drink and be with your wife, King David said to Uriah. But did Uriah go? No. He says, how could I drink and be married and be with my wife today when my brethren are out in war, risking their lives? What an honorable soldier. What an honorable man. So he slept at the door of the palace, and, and he didn't go home. So it doesn't work out for David, so what does he do? And we would think that he'll just run to the throne of grace, right? But what does he do? He writes up a letter to Captain Joab, to General Joab. He writes a letter, Joab, make sure he's in the... The toughest battle, the most heated battle, make sure he's in the front line. And guess who sends that letter to Joab or grabs that letter and delivers that letter? Uriah does. He's holding his own death sentence. What an honorable man Uriah was. I don't think he read that letter. I don't think he read it. Now, that's my just perception. He probably didn't. Honor the king. I'm going to deliver this to General Joab. Joab gets it. Of course, he follows through. Joab doesn't know what's going on back at home. He, didn't, he doesn't know King David slept with Bathsheba. I don't think. And so Uriah goes. He dies. As soon as that's done, David says, all right, good. Now, fetch me Bathsheba, became his wife. 
Now he's sitting and he's saying, well, got it all done. But guess who was watching all this? God. He wasn't just watching all the things that David tried to cover his sin. God saw the heart of David, even at the rooftop, as he lusted after Bathsheba. And God says to David, 2 Samuel chapter 12, For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. You did it privately in your own terms, but I will let all Israel know of your folly, of your sinfulness. And also I will bring the consequence. Somebody else will lie with your wives and your concubines. And they'll not do it secretly, but they'll do it publicly. You see, God is not mocked. It doesn't matter if you're a king. The king also needs to be judged by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And David, a man after God's own heart, makes a grave mistake because his heart was toward the sin of adultery. And after all this is done, after he is confronted by Nathan the prophet, after he, re- he hears what's going to happen in the future, David meets the Lord in his time after this confrontation and writes a psalm of remorse and plea for forgiveness. And, and David needed God's cleansing in his heart. And what are we to learn from the psalm of David today? I'd like to share with you three spiritual courses of David's prayer that we all need in pausing to assess our hearts when in sin. And, and, uh, uh, I believe, uh, uh, the scripture here will help us to maybe, uh, be proactive and, and get away from temptation and, and run away from, uh, 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 maybe, uh, 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 uh time of lust and maybe time of wrongdoings in our hearts, but also when you're in sin, my friend, and uh, it's not the situation that needs to be changed, but you need to change, and God wants to change you, and God wants to cleanse you within the heart. And David recognized that. And David said, I need to be what you want me to be. I need you to clean my heart. I need you to make me a new man, God. And we need that in our hearts, too, sometimes. And we need it in our lives. So first of all, I want to encourage you, David, have repentance. Very simple message this morning, but I think we need to revisit repentance. Repentance is explained as turning around. Some have said it's changing of the mind, but it's really the changing of the heart. Salvation is from God reaching to the heart of man, and man repents of his sin, changes his heart towards sin, and believes in his heart the Savior, Jesus Christ. And without repentance, there is no believing in Christ or salvation. When you are born again, when you receive Christ as your personal Savior, I hope you have remorse for your sin. I hope you are ashamed of your sin. I hope you admitted that you are a sinner, guilty before God, who deserves a lake of fire. Because without that, I guarantee you, a person would not be longing for a Savior. 
You need repentance. The changing of the heart towards sin and the old life and who you were. And that repentance leads to belief, sincere belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come unto the Father but by me. You believe that in your heart. And that He is the only one that could cleanse your sins, all your past and present and future. And I hope that's your salvation testimony today. And if you don't have that testimony, guess what? God could cleanse your heart today. God could save your soul today and, and that you could repent of uh, 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 how you view sin and, and how you justify yourself and what you have believed in before concerning salvation and realize that you're lost and that you're not born again. You're going to the lake of fire and, uh, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent. And as we relate to the Christian walk now after we're born again, when we are when we have sin in our lives, there must be repentance as well, the changing of the heart towards sin, that may be specific sin that God has spoke to you about, so that we may be closer to God. So first, David admits the presence of sin. And verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And David admitted that he was guilty. I have sinned. It's right here in front of me. I cannot hide from it. And I cannot ignore it. It's right there. And now, did God see David's sins? Yes. Now, it was David's turn to see his sins. See, God knows all things. And we know that God knows all things. And God knows that we have sins in our hearts sometimes, and we have maybe presumptuously have committed uh, uh, iniquities and transgressions before the Lord, knowing that He was evil. And we know that God knows all these things. But I wonder if your sin is perceived to be desperately wicked as God sees it. Or are you delusional today? Or are you just deceiving yourself, justifying yourself? I have not sinned against God. This is not a sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1.10. Let's read this together. Ready? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We make us a liar? No. When we say we have not sinned, we claim that who's a liar? God is a liar. This is a direct accusation against God. We are deceiving ourselves, my friend. If you are sinning against the Lord, hey, admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you have sinned against Him. Before you say, that uh, 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 God is a liar through your testimony. We must acknowledge the presence of sin. There is no way around that our heart can easily deceive us to think that we have not sinned against God. But let us be honest in our hearts. We have sinned. If there's anything that is uh, somewhat gray in your, in your life and, 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 and it's questionable, it is probably sinful. You know, when I'm in the dark and, and when I see a light, I'm not thinking, I wonder if that's a light. It's pretty obvious when I see a light in the dark. I'm not just thinking, I wonder if that's darkness. No, there is a clear, distinct 
uh, uh, distinguishing features between a light and darkness. There's no doubt about it. And ladies and gentlemen, as we walk with the Lord, there's something questionable. Okay. And it's not of the light. It's probably not of the light. Stop justifying yourself. Just say, I have sinned against God. That's what David had to do. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. And there is no repentance unless you admit that first. There is no changing of the heart. There is no restoration. There is no even forgiveness unless you are admitting that you have sinned against Him. What is it, my friend? Would you admit that to the Lord? Would you confess that to the Lord? Secondly, the offense of sin. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. David's sin was a transgression, meaning it was a rebellion against the law. And it was not just a rebellion against Uriah, Bathsheba, or the nation of Israel, but it was a direct rebellion against God and His commandments. That David knew that his, uh, that his sins uh, 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 was a, uh, a wrong thing before the Lord, before he committed it. I believe he did. Because the uh, Bible says in 2 Samuel 12, 9, David uh, uh, hears this through Nathan the prophet, and God says to him, Wherefore has thou despised, meaning holding contempt, looked down upon, the commandment of the Lord and do, to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. You see, David was basically uh, saying, I don't need to keep this commandment. And he might have said within his heart, I am above this law. I am the king. If I want Bathsheba, I could get Bathsheba. He despised the commandment of the Lord. He held it in contempt. He was above it. And there are some sins in our lives today that we carry and that we harbor. And that we even nurture sometimes. And we justify ourselves. And, and we, we hold the law of God. We hold the commandments of God as contempt. And those things, those commandments, those laws do not really have any application for me. And what we do as Christians is that we offend God. We offend this book. We offend the law and the commandments of the scripture. And David says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. You know, uh, I'm sure Bathsheba was very disappointed. She was just carried into this. And uh, Uriah, what a poor soul. Innocent man, dying for a sinful activity of David. Nation of Israel going through just terrible time after all this. Great division within the house of David. Absalom going against his own father. David being chased out of his kingdom. All the terrible things that happens to David and also the nation of Israel. And we know that it was a sorrowful time for them. But ladies and gentlemen, David said, I have not sinned against men. That's not my first offense. I have sinned against you. I made you sorrowful. I displeased you. I hurted 
you. And ladies and gentlemen, all the sins that you could think of today is a direct rebellion against God. Lying, covetousness, envy, bitterness, whatever is within your heart. That we know it's sin. And we harbor them, we nurture them. It's a direct offense to God Almighty. It's not just to yourself or to other people around you. No, it's a direct offense to God. And we need to see it that way. Thoroughly, the judge of sin, and thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Justify God, how so? By admitting that God is right and that we are wrong. David said, my admission is to my sins that I have committed against you. Justify you to be the rightful judge and king. And ladies and gentlemen, God is the judge of all sins and sinners. And God visits the individuals, the groups, and even nations concerning their sins. And there are no free passes. There is no just favorability. Hey, I let you just get away with that. That's fine. He doesn't do that. He judges all sins. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 25, And the land is a fire, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereupon it, and the land is so vomited out of her inhabitants. I mean, around three to four hundred years, the nation of Israel sinned against God, sinned against God, sinned against God, sinned against God. In the time of judging, the time of kings. And God was long-suffering. But God did visit their iniquities and sins. They were taken away. The land was destroyed. And ladies and gentlemen, God visits every sin. So be sensitive to it in your heart. Don't think that I got a free pass this time. No. Be fearful of the almighty God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And ladies and gentlemen, As we think about our nation today, we're thinking we're getting some free passes. But God is watching. I'm sure many of you heard Target's policy about bathrooms. Transgender issue. If you think you're a man, you could go to uh, the man's bathroom. Feel like you're a woman? Go to the woman's bathroom. My wife and I were talking about this. Last time I checked, Target had a unisex bathroom, a family bathroom. Now, this sounds very, this sounds this might sound very fanatical to you, or maybe to some. But my wife and I will not be shopping at Target. I don't agree with that. Hopefully they change that policy. I love Target. You know, I used to love just going there and shopping, and it's right there in Gardena, and get all our materials there. But I have just bad conscience going there now. I just can't do it. I couldn't have my daughter just go to the bathroom by herself now. And all these different issues coming about in this country. And this country is harboring sin and nurturing sin. And and this country feels that love justifies all things. 
you just love everybody, it's fine. But ladies and gentlemen, they're loving sin. Did you know just the last week, public schools had something called Silence Day? Some public schools had something called Silence Day. What is that? Well, it's for the LGBT crowd. The students were encouraged not to maybe say anything throughout the whole day as they attended class, as they went to. Um, I'm sorry about that. What is this? I apologize. I think that was Siri. I don't know why it's <laughs> telling us. But they had Silence Day. Some of the schools maybe participated. Some of the students participated. Now, it's, it's not silence for voting rights. It's not silence for uh, civil rights. It's not silence for veterans. It's silence for the lesbians, the gays, the bisexuals, the transgender people. This is our country. This is our country. How our country needs to repent. How our Christians need revival. Who is speaking against these things? Who is crying aloud, we have sinned against the Lord. And many churches are silent, many churches are not confessing the sins of this nation. I think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he was confessing his sins in Nehemiah chapter 1, did you know that he confessed the sins of his forefathers? He confessed the sins of his nation. He didn't have idols in his own house. He didn't have idols in his own uh, uh, bedroom. He didn't have spiritual fornication, and he didn't have his children go through the fire. But he says, I intercede for my nation of Israel, and some Christians need to intercede for this nation. Because we have a judge that is watching. You think about the history of mankind. No empire who has adopted, who has led just uh, 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 the Sodomites, uh, 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 Rome to free and do whatever they want. They have never been blessed by God. You look at history, my friend. Any nation. And you might be thinking, oh, this is too much. This is too offensive to uh, 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 the political agenda. This is too offensive to our community. I think you should tone it down, preacher. No, ladies and gentlemen, we got to say, does say the Lord. There'll be, a, there'll be a time when I'm preaching like this, someone might report me for hate crime. I was watching the documentary about Martin Luther King in the 60s. How he was handcuffed for fighting for civil rights. And, uh, you know, one day, I I might be handcuffed for standing up for what the Bible says. This country is in desperate trouble. And the judge is watching. And ladies and gentlemen, 
We need to just sober up a little bit. And, and, and the heart of men are desperately wicked in this nation. And God is watching. And as Christians, I wonder how your heart is. Is it faithful? Is it pure? Is it godly? Are you sensitive to sin? And David was. Even though he committed it, we understand. But he says, I know I have sinned against you. And I know that you are the clear judge. I don't want to argue with you. I want to hear you clearly. And I want you to speak freely how you judge me, Lord. And we need to do that with our God. The nature of sin. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin, then my mother conceived me. How so many people say I'm a good person, but I just do bad things. No, you're a bad person, that's why you do bad things. Oh, parents say, oh, my boy's a good boy. You don't understand? I know he's locked up in jail, but he's a good boy. No, he's a bad boy who did bad things. And your son needs to hear that. Your child needs to hear that. I I read in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, just the the other day. And uh, go to your Bibles there in Proverbs 13, 24. There's a few scripture after Psalms there. I don't want to get away from the context of the message, but I want to just give you something here as parents. Proverbs 13, 24. Let's read that together. Ready? He that spareth his rod, hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that if you spare the rod, meaning if you do not chastise your son, your child, when they're doing wrong, the Bible says you hate your child. Oh, I love my child. I, I, I can never correct this child. I can never chastise this child. I will never spank this child. I will never discipline this child. I just love him too much. I love her too much. He's a good boy. She's a good girl. Doesn't know what she's doing or he's doing. You may say it's love, but God says you hate your child. The Bible says if you really love your child, you'll correct your child. And, and parents, I want to encourage you to... Now, I'm a young parent. I'm just... I have three children. I'm, I'm just learning. And uh, I need some help. I, I think just a few months ago, I asked Mrs. Brooke about something, and she raised six children, you know. I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you do in this situation? And uh, I thank God for Mrs. Brooks. You know, there's no maybes with her, you know. This is what you do. <laughs> thank God for that. And uh, as clear as they all right, that's good advice. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And, you know, uh, I- I'm still learning. But I know this one thing. I know this one thing from the Bible and Proverbs about parenting. You confirm your child when your child has sinned. If he rebels, if he gets angry, 
And by the way, my little boy Silas, he is cute. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you uh, I forget, Mrs. Angela, you, know, you, you say something in Spanish. What do you say? Impression, I'm sorry? Impresioso, is that cute? I forget what is it. Cute, and, okay. And, uh, you know, she keeps on saying it's cute, it's cute. And, and uh, well, you should see the other side of this boy. Yeah. He already gets angry. By the grace of God, I have not disciplined Annabelle since the age of four. She's, set, she's eight this year. Now, that's by the grace of God. I didn't have to do that for the last four years. I remember I got spanked. I was till 15 years old, amen? Now, I don't, I don't believe that teenagers should be kind of like disciplined the way you discipline a child. But, you know, just, but I'm, I'm just simply saying my mother did not spare the rod with me. Oh, son, I know you're a good boy. I know you didn't mean to lie. No, she said, you're a sinner, you're a liar. You need to get right with God. And, and, and parents, we need to do that with our children. Why? Because God does that with us. He loves you so much, he confronts you about your sins. And, and, and going back to just our personal lives today, you know, we were shaped in iniquity and sin that my mother conceived me. And Lajim, there's nothing good in us in our flesh. That's what Apostle Paul says, in me dwelleth no good things. And when we sin, it's because we are sinners. Admit that. It's not something new. Oh my goodness, I have sinned against God. No, you have sinned against Him when you were born. You're shaping iniquity. You're an already an offense to God. So admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you have, uh, you, you have offended God in your life. And if there's any specific things that God is dealing with you, hey, just admit it and just be clear with Him. Just get right with Him. Oh, i got to hurry. So David had repentance. Repentance. So David also had refining. Verse 6 through 9. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquities. Basically, simply, David asked, Please, God, just forgive me. Cleanse me, that's all. And you know, when we sin, that's all we should ask from God. No strings attached. We should not have, uh, Forgive me, Lord, so that I could have this. Forgive Get me so that I won't have to do this. No, there is no better stand with God than just being as white as snow due to his cleansing and forgiveness. You don't need just more materials. You don't need more blessings ahead. No, you just need forgiveness, my friend. Sometimes we try to bargain with God. Don't bargain with God, my friend. Just ask for his forgiveness and just get right with God. That's the greatest feeling in the world. Having forgiveness of sin. Having God forgive you and, and restore you as whole and, and create you in a, uh, create you in a manner with a clean heart and, 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 and also standing before the Lord and white as snow because of His grace. What else do you want in life? I think some people want riches more than forgiveness. They want fames more than forgiveness. Pleasures more than forgiveness. And even knowledge more than forgiveness. 
Are you right with God? Is your sin forgiven? Are you whiter than snow before him today? There is no greater peace than the forgiveness of God. Number three, the restoration. David asked God to restore several things after forgiveness. A clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He says, there's something wrong within me. It's not just me outwardly. It's me within. A right spirit. You have a right spirit within me. By the way, he had a very bad spirit when Nathan confronted him. Well, actually, not the time of the confrontation, but when Nathan gave a little story, and Nathan said, oh, there was a rich shepherd, and there was a poor shepherd, and this poor shepherd had one little tiny lamb. And then this rich uh, shepherd had so many flocks. And when the rich man had a guest, guess what he did? He stole, he took that little lamb from the rich man, and then uh, dined it, and then gave it to his guest. And David heard that, who is this man? I will make sure he'll be punished for this. I will make sure that he will uh, 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 restore him fourfold, and he will surely die. And Nathan said, put his, probably pointed his finger and he said, thou, thou art the man. Thou art the man, David. David had the wrong spirit and the wrong perception about life and the wrong discernment. He didn't realize that he sinned against the Lord in this matter of Uriah. Now, as he heard that story, he said, oh, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. But he didn't see, oh, no, that's a sin, too. He had the wrong spirit. And David asked the joy of, of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I guarantee you, some Christians who are in sin, they don't have the joy of the Lord. A person who is right with God in his heart will have joy. A testimony and witness, and I will teach transgression thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. How are you this morning? Before you start doing something for God, you need to be restored to God. You need to get right with God. Have you been refined, forgiven? Have you been restored? Are you born again? That's the number one question in your life. Are you born again? Do you have Christ in your heart? If you don't have Christ in your heart, this means nothing. Now, if you have Christ in your heart, I want to encourage you this morning to always inspect what's in your heart. And if you have sinned against him, repent and let God purify you again and be restored so that you could be used of the Lord. And this psalm that we enjoy so much, that we read so much, that is applicable for us, it was written after the sin of Bathsheba. God still use him to write this psalm that we read so much. God still used David to write many of the psalms after this sin of Bathsheba. And they said, God could still use you, and your heart could still get right if you just let him. Would you be restored to God?